the facilities we can visit and discuss. Order question to the Prime Minister, John Battle. Number one, Mr Speaker. Mr. Speaker, this morning I have meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In, a duty, in addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Battle. Mr. Speaker, what we do know from previous recessions is that the people who suffer most are those that have the least. So should I, could I urge my right honourable friend, in his forthcoming meetings and discussions with world leaders, to ensure that tackling the waste of poverty at home and abroad is now a top priority. Mr Speaker, I applaud the work he does as Chairman of the All Party Committee on Poverty and International Development. It is precisely because of the dangers and risks to people who are poor and unemployed that we are taking the action that we are taking, raising the pension and pension credits, raising child benefit and child tax credits, helping the unemployed and making sure that small businesses have the finance that they need. And that is part of the plan that we are adopting and introducing now that is being adopted in many, many countries of the world to help those who are poor and unemployed, to protect savers by capitalising the banks, to ensure real help to families and businesses now, and at the same time to extend lending to small businesses and to homeowners. That is the plan that will ensure recovery, not just nationally, but when it's adopted internationally. David Cameron. Thank you, Mr Speaker. In the last week, we've discovered that Britain is facing the deepest recession in a generation. We've had the worst manufacturing figures since 1975, and this morning the Institute for Fiscal Studies said the country's debt burden will take a whole generation to pay off. Can I ask the Prime Minister how deeply the economy will have to contract before he finally admits that there is indeed an economic bust? Mr Speaker, can I just quote him from the IFS Green Budget? They don't like it, Mr Speaker. Our central forecast is that the UK will avoid deep and prolonged recession thanks to the enormous monetary and substantial fiscal stimulus already agreed. Now, if we had taken his advice and done nothing, it would have been a deeper recession. The, the Prime Minister seems to be denying now the recession is taking place. Yeah. Now, <laughs> extraordinary complacent. I asked a very specific question about his definition of an economic bust. And I have discovered, Mr Speaker, that he was asked this question before in front of the Treasury Select Committee, and for once in his life he actually answered it. I, I have the transcript. I have the transcript. Let me read it to him. He referred to reductions of GDP of 1.5%. He was asked by my honourable friend, the member for Chichester, so is that the minimum definition of a bust? And the Prime Minister replied, yes. Now we know that the economy shrank by 1.5% in the last quarter alone. Will he finally admit, even on his own definition, that something every economist, every business, every family in the country knows to be true, he didn't abolish boom and bust? This, this, this is a recession which is facing every country and continent in the world. And everybody except the Conservative Party agrees this is not a unique United Kingdom phenomenon. This is something that has got to be dealt with internationally. He mentioned the Institute of Fiscal Studies. They also said, in current circumstances, the cost of doing nothing is larger than the cost of acting. That is the rebuttal to the Conservative policy of doing nothing.
doesn't the Prime Minister understand the damage he does to himself and the damage he does to his credibility when he says things that are self-evidently nonsense? It's self-evidently nonsense to say this about the opposition. Our jobs plan has been copied in his jobs plan. Our loan guarantees have been copied in his loan guarantees. When he says these things about the opposition, he doesn't damage us, he damages himself. That's that's why his poll ratings are going back to Michael Foot levels. <laughs> now, let me ask him one more time. Even one of his own advisers, even one of his own advisers said this week, it's against Gordon's nature to do a mayor culpa, but at some stage we've got to find the words. Well, why doesn't he find the words now? You didn't abolish boom and bust, did you? I've said all along that this order, 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 order. I say to the Leader of the Office that he knows the rules of the House and he knows how to, to, to phrase a question. Order, order. I've said, I've, said that this is, I've said that this is a deep recession. I've also said the truth, that it's hitting every country in the world. I think he would recognise that we were the first to act to deal with the recapitalisation of the banks and stop savers losing the money. He supported that until last week when he walked away from that position. We were the first also to recognise there needed to be a fiscal stimulus, and he will see today that countries that he often quotes like Canada are now announcing a big fiscal stimulus. And he will also see that it is right to extend lending. That is the way forward. Look, Mr Speaker, we can play his game of student politics as long as he wants to play. But what the country... But what, but what, what the country are interested in is whether we will take the action that is necessary to get us out of the difficulties. We are taking the action. His policies would cut public investment at a time we need it. In other words, he would do nothing to help. Yeah. Yeah. Mr Speaker, only one of us was a student politician and he's never grown out of it. Yeah. What, what, is, um, what is interesting about today, Mr Speaker, what is interesting about today is in question one, in question one he denied it was a deep recession and in answer to question three he said it was a deep recession. I suppose with this Prime Minister that's progress. Now, in the same evidence, the Prime Minister talks about the global recession and I want to ask him about that. In the same evidence to the Treasury Select Committee, he actually gave a definition of boom and bust. Let me read out what he said. He said... Well, it will end when he admits that he didn't abolish it. That is when it will end. What he said was this. What I mean... You've probably, they probably wanted a definition. Here it is. What I meant by boom and bust... What I meant by boom and bust is running a policy where you allow the economy to grow too fast and then it sinks far further than it has in other countries even when there is a world downturn. Isn't that exactly what is happening right now? Yes, of course, there is a world downturn, but our economy is sinking further and faster than the rest. So even on his own definition, isn't it true he led us into boom and bust? Mr Speaker, America went into recession more than a year ago. The euro area went into recession more than six months ago. This is a deep world recession. And what I would explain to him is this that past recessions in Britain have been caused by high inflation. They've been caused, as they were in the early 80s and the early 90s, by government allowing inflation to get out of control and interest rates having to rise. He should know he was in the Treasury in the early 90s. 
This recession is not caused by high inflation. If anything, inflation is going to be near zero this year. This recession is not caused by high interest rates. This recession is a result of a global financial crisis. If he does not recognise that, then he will not begin to be able to discuss or decide on the answers. And I suspect it's because he doesn't understand that that the Conservative policy is doing nothing. We've had all of his economic understanding, and it's what led us into the mess we're in now. The fact is, he let debt get out of control. He keeps saying, this recession all came from America. It wasn't America that gave us the biggest budget deficit in the world. It wasn't America that made us the most indebted country in the world. It wasn't some American who designed our regulatory system that failed. It was him. Now, if he won't retract something stupid he said in the past, let me ask him about something crass and insensitive he said this week. He said that thousands of people losing their jobs, homes and businesses were simply down to the birth pangs of a new global order. Wouldn't anyone hearing that conclude that the Prime Minister cares more about his global grandstanding than other people's jobs? Mr Speaker, if, if, if the Conservative Party is not prepared to accept that this is a global recession that requires global action, then they will get nowhere. Our public debt is lower than that of America. It's lower than that of France. It's lower than that of Germany. It's lower than that of Japan. And he should not be going around the country saying the opposite of what is true. And at the same time, the measures we are taking to deal with this global recession are measures that other countries are now taking following us. The one thing that other countries are not doing is following the Conservative policy of doing nothing, which is not only the wrong thing, it is a disastrous cause for this country. I don't know where the Prime Minister gets his figures from. This year, he is going to be borrowing 8% of GDP. That is the same amount that a Labour Chancellor borrowed and ended up back at the IMF. Those are the figures. That is the truth. In the last three months alone, 4,000 businesses went bust, over 11,000 homes were repossessed, and almost a quarter of a million people lost their jobs. But the message from this Prime Minister seems to be, don't worry, you're just the birth pangs of a new global economic era. And today we're told the debt he's building up will take a generation to pay off. What we've had from this Prime Minister is denial about the past, continuing today, failure in the present, and debt for the future. Shouldn't those be the death throes of a failed Premiership? He is not winning this argument. This is a global recession. Arbor, you won't shout anyone down in the chamber. It's wrong to do that. The Arbor, don't start defying the chair. Arbor. This argument because this is a global recession and not just a UK recession. And the answer, as the IFS has said today, and he quotes the IFS, is not to do nothing but to take all the action that is necessary. And I see no one else around the world supporting his proposal to do nothing. Indeed, the shadow, shadow Chancellor has been giving interviews explaining what should be done. Does he support VAT? Yes, he did. Does he support the fiscal stimulus? Yes, he did. Does he support our policy of helping children without the married couples allowance? Yes, he did. Does he support European cooperation to deal with the downturn? Yes, he does. He has got at least the semblance of a policy. He would do absolutely nothing. Mr Cunningham, Jim Cunningham. 
Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Is the Prime Minister aware that Jaguar Land Rover have welcomed the measures he announced yesterday, particularly on green technology? But is he also aware that there is still some anxiety, certainly in Coventry and in the West Midlands, until they see the final outcome of yesterday's package? Mr. Speaker, my honourable friend has been a great supporter of the car industry and its development in his own city and round the country. And I believe that the car industry is a sector with a strong future. And that is why we want to unlock loans of up to $1.3 billion guaranteed for low-carbon initiatives in cars. That is why we also are giving loans and guarantees up to $1 billion for lower-carbon initiatives for non-European investment bank projects. And that is why we are also discussing training grants that would be in addition to short-time working so that we can help those people in jobs at the moment keep the jobs. We will do everything we can to help the car industry. This is the difference. We know that in times like this, we have got to act to help. I'm not sure the Conservatives support us in this. Nick Clegg. Speaker, Mr. Speaker, does the Prime Minister think it's right that some members of the Upper House can use uh, their status as non-domiciled, non-residents to get out of paying their full taxes here in this country? Yes, of course it's not right. In that case, in that case, will he? Well, I hope there are millions of ordinary British taxpayers who are filing their tax returns this week. They're the ones who deserve a tax break, not the super rich. So, will he support our private members' bill to force peers who make the laws of this country to pay their full taxes in this country? Mr. Speaker, where I would disagree with him is that we are helping ordinary taxpayers in this country. We are raising the personal allowances so people will pay less tax. That will rise again in April as a result of the decisions in the pre-budget report. We have cut VAT, and if I may say so, the Institute of Fiscal Studies today says that it is a far more effective stimulus than people who are critics are saying. And of course, we are raising pensions and raising child benefit. Yes, we should take action against tax havens, but yes, also, we are helping ordinary taxpayers in this country. Helen Southworth. Mr. Speaker, in the current global economic instability, will the Prime Minister take rapid intervention to make sure that women workers who are fearing job losses get help to keep their jobs, to learn new skills, and to keep the family income coming in? She, she is absolutely right. Uh, the success of uh, recent years has been a large number of women who previously never had the chances of getting into work, partly because there was no childcare and partly because there was no training have had the chance to get into work. As people have to look at new job opportunities, and there are half a million vacancies, we want to help uh, particularly those people who have training needs and those people who need childcare help into the jobs that are available. And that was very much part of the package that uh, my friend, the Secretary for Work and Pensions, introduced a few weeks ago. We will keep the New Deal, we will make it more flexible, and we will spend the 500 million that he allocated so that we can help women and men to get the jobs they need. Andrew Murison. Why, according, why, according to the IMF, the OECD, and the EU, is Britain heading for a longer, deeper recession than any of its competitors? I, I, ju I just, I just uh, cited the Institute of Fiscal Studies, who said, well, well, they don't like hearing it when there is uh, a, a statement that we. Uh, 
the Institute of Fiscal Studies, first of all, said that we would avoid a longer and deeper recession by the fiscal stimulus we are taking. That is exactly the same view as has been expressed by the International Monetary Fund. I'm afraid the Conservatives are living in a dream world if they believe, if they believe that, one, this is, this is purely a British problem, and two, they believe that the answer to it is doing nothing. I think they've got to go back to the drawing board and think again. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. My right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, is aware the tragic humanitarian crisis in Gaza. Does he share the anger of thousands of my constituents and millions of people across Britain at the BBC decision to refuse to air the DEC Gaza appeal? Does he agree with me that the corporation's decision has damaged the repetition of the BBC both at home and abroad. Yeah. Well, Mr. Speaker, it, it is not for us uh, to interfere with the independence of the BBC and of uh, Sky, who made these uh, decisions about whether they would broadcast the appeal on Gaza. But what I can say is this, that uh, we are making the appeal as widely known as we can through our own information services, and at the same time, we have put £28 million into helping with humanitarian aid in Gaza. The situation that has been found is one where children have to be flown to hospital, where bombs that have unexploded have got to be uh, dealt with, and where humanitarian food and aid has got to be provided immediately. And I think it would be the wish of all people in this House that this was done as speedily as possible. Thank you, Thank you Mr Speaker. Last week the Prime Minister tried to cover up the expenses of ministers. This, this, this week... Order, order, order. Uh, the honourable gentleman must withdraw. He must withdraw that remark. It, it is not. It's not order. It is not a proper thing to say. Try and rephrase the question in another way. Mr. Speaker, I, I, would, I withdraw that remark. This week, Labour peers stand accused of selling the law of the land for cash. Does the Prime Minister still claim, like his predecessor, that Labour is whiter than white? Yeah. Mr. Speaker. Baroness Royal, who is the Leader of the House of Lords, has taken immediate action to deal with the problem. All of us are deeply concerned. These are serious allegations that have got to be dealt with. That's why we have immediately set up the Committee on Privileges to look at the way that uh, a tougher code of conduct could be introduced. That's why we have also investigated the interest, and that is happening under Baroness Bashar. And that is why Lady Royal has said this morning, if the current allegations are proven, we need, we, we need as well to consider emergency sanctions. So that is the steps that we are taking. I hope it is true of all parties in the House that we wish to root, root out any mistakes that we made and ensure that they do not happen again. Jessica Morden. Mr Speaker, given the announcement this week of devastating job losses at Porus, over 500 of which are in my constituency, in Clanburn. Would the Prime Minister meet urgently with a group of MPs from the All-Party Steel Group to look at what support can be given to this crucial part of our manufacturing base and, crucially, to those steel workers who slept with chorus through thick and thin who now need our help now? Yeah. Mr Speaker, we, we have talked, uh, obviously, to chorus, and we have said that uh, whether it is uh, Bird, the Department of Business, the Regional Development Agency in Wales, and in other parts of the country, or Job Centre Plus, that we will do everything that we can. Uh, steel is absolutely crucial to the manufacturing future of this country. We know from uh, Tata, the owners of Chorus, that they wish to keep the steel plants uh, moving uh, forward. Uh, following the job summit that we had, we are already working with Chorus to look at what could be done to help with training costs for the future. 
and I assure you I'll be very happy to meet a group of all party MPs. Thank you, God. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Will the Prime Minister agree that there can never be an equivalence between terrorists on the one hand and the innocent victims of terror on the other? And therefore, uh, does he acknowledge the deep hurt and offence that has been caused by the obnoxious proposal in the Eames Bradley report published today on the past in Northern Ireland, which suggests a £12,000 payment to all relatives? of everyone killed regardless of their status, which effectively does away with the distinction between murderers and those whom they went out to murder and kill? And will he reject any definition of victimhood which elevates terrorists to the same status as those whom they targeted for murder and violence? Mr Speaker, there can be no justification for terrorist uh, violence and there will be no justification ever given for it. Let me say this that the issues that have been raised in the report that has been published today by Bishop Eames and uh, Mr. Mr. Bradley are ones that are very serious indeed. And I understand uh, why one of the recommendations has evoked uh, such controversy uh, in uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, the Government uh, is obviously going to consider the report with uh, great care and we will reply in due course. I believe that some of the recommendations will be acceptable to all parties, such as settling cases that have been outstanding, pushing forward with reconciliation, uh, having a reconciliation fund that will help uh, different groups come together uh, so that we can get uh, uh, away from the incidents of the past. But I will never forget the thousands of innocent victims in Northern Ireland. I know that he speaks uh, for the whole community in Northern Ireland when he says uh, that we must respect the fact that innocent people lost their lives and that should be something that is never forgotten. Jeff Innes. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Does the Prime Minister recall in the 1980s that this country was the world leader in the development of clean coal technology via the fluidised bed plant at Grimethorpe Colliery in my constituency? That was until the Thatcher government pulled the plug on the funding. We now have an opportunity once again as a country, this time to lead the world, but this time in the development of carbon capture and storage. Will the Prime Minister reassure the House that this Government won't let the country down on this important issue, unlike what the Tories did with clean coal technology? Mr Speaker, he's absolutely right. History will show that we did need coal and we did need the new coal technologies. And I'm sorry that in the 80s the clean coal technology projects were abandoned in the way that they were. We are looking now, however, at uh, carbon capture and storage. He is absolutely right that this is a transformational technique so that we can deal with their carbon emissions. We will be making an announcement in due course and trying to persuade our European colleagues who have set up a fund uh, for the purposes of sponsoring carbon capture and storage that Britain deserves to have one of the first demonstration plants in that area. Martin Horwood. Which should concern the Prime Minister the most, Mr Speaker? Powerful criticism of the South West Regional Spatial Strategy from honourable members of all sides the fantasy economic growth rate it's using of 3.2% per annum, the green light it's given to developers to neglect social, urban and village housing we actually need and head straight for treasured local countryside and green belt, damaging everything. Damaging everything the honourable gentleman must ask a question. He must ask a question. Perhaps the Prime Minister can try and answer that. I just have to say, in his constituency, even after the recent rises in unemployment, long-term employment is still 75% down on what it was in 1997. Now, we will, of course, look at what he says about the strategy, and we will look at uh, all the facts that he brings to bear on it. 
uh, that no government has done more to support industry and public investment in the region. We will continue to do so. The chorus job losses are a bitter blow, and all our efforts must now be dedicated to helping the steelworkers and their families. But even in this difficult time, shouldn't our message be that Britain is the right place to invest, is the right place to grow a business, and the British people are worth backing? And despite the doom-mongers opposite, our society is not broken, and we're determined to come through this economic downturn and come through it successfully. Yes, Mr Speaker. Uh, those who talk Britain down will regret doing so because we are a resilient and we are a determined society. And we know that we can come through these difficulties and we know also that we have the industries that are the basis for future growth. And I believe that the British people will come together around the plan that will take us through this downturn. Angus Robertson. Mr Speaker, in 1997 the Prime Minister said that he relished the prospect of abolishing the unaccountable and unelectable members of the House of Lords. Why is it that after 12 years of a Labour government we still have an unelected chamber, double standards on financial disclosure and no way of removing peers who break the law? Yeah. Mr Speaker, we, we have put forward our proposals for the reform of the House of Lords. They were in a paper that was issued a few months ago. In that paper there is also the proposal to deal with sanctions for members of the House of Lords who commit criminal offences. Uh, Baroness Royal has put forward today proposals for new codes of conduct and for new rules that include the ability to expel members of the House of, to expel members of the House of Lords from their duties if they are guilty of an offence. And she has said, in these cases that we now know about, she is prepared to bring forward emergency sanctions to deal with these issues. I believe that when a problem is identified, we are taking the action necessary. What assurances can the Prime Minister give my constituents? that government-funded construction projects, like the Biddulph Health Centre in my constituency, will go ahead as soon as possible. These projects will give a much-needed boost to the construction industry and, in terms of Biddulph, ensure that my constituents have a really important health centre for their health needs. I believe this is a 10 million uh, project that will help uh, her constituents and bring better health care in her constituency. And the important, the important thing that uh, the Health Secretary is making absolutely clear is that these health projects are moving forward. We are not cutting investment in them. They are moving ahead. Uh, and all the health service investment that we want to see happen has been budgeted for and will go forward. It cannot be said that a party that wants to cut public expenditure and cut public investment has any answers to the problem of our country. John Barrett. One way to stimulate the economy in the north and south, tackle pollution and reduce the demand for increased airport capacity would be to invest in a national high-speed rail link. Yeah, yeah. Why, after 12 years of this Labour government, are we still waiting? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Bates, you will know that when the Secretary of State for Transport announced the proposals on Heathrow, he also announced our proposals to set up a company to pursue a high-speed rail link. And that is exactly what we intend, intend to do. Uh, we are prepared to, to make a commitment uh, to that uh, project uh, and all the work that is now starting is designed around getting high-speed rail links moving forward. Ian Gibson. Thank you, Mr. What are the implications uh, of the economic downturn for the private financial initiative and would you consider investigating the PFI contract with the Norfolk and Norwich Hospital and see that it might not be a good deal to buy that out at this stage? Mr Speaker, the, the Treasury is looking at the PFI issues that arise from the, uh, the loss of lending capacity in the economy. 
uh, but I'm assured by the Health Secretary that the project that he is talking about is one that is going ahead. Andrew Salou, if all our problems come from America and the rest of the world, why is the pound falling so sharply against the dollar and the euro? Mr. Mr. Speaker, if I could just say that uh, the experience... The experience of targeting the pound and targeting the exchange rate has not been one that has been particularly beneficial for this country. Uh, and the targeting of the Deutschmark, of the ERM, and then membership of the ERM was something, was something that did not work. So we are not targeting the pound, we are targeting inflation. And that is what the Bank of England's role is. And I believe that that is the best way to bring about a recovery in the economy. And I would caution. I would caution him and his party against any policies that would target sterling. Unbeg. My right honourable friend will be aware, Mr Speaker, that the proposals in the Welfare Reform Bill oblige drug addicts to accept treatment or rehabilitation in order to receive their full benefits. What can my right honourable friend do to persuade the SNP administration in Holyrood that this policy is both popular and the right thing to do? Mr Speaker, I would would urge uh, all councils to, to engage with the Department of Work and Pension on these issues. This is a policy that recognises that just keeping drug addicts on benefit is not the answer to the problems. They need the treatment that is necessary and they need the support for doing so. And that is exactly why we have changed the policy to make it possible for people to get the treatment and to give them the support while they're doing so. And that is the right policy for the future of this country, whatever the Scottish National Party are saying. Sir Peter Tapsell. What is the sterling value of an ounce of gold today? And what was it when he started selling our gold reserves in July of 1999? Mr Speaker, it was right to diversify our portfolio. It was right to diversify our portfolio. And and one 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 thing we did was buy euros. And he'll be very sad to hear that the value of the euros are up in the portfolio we have. Order. We now come to the, the main business. Honourable members, leave the chamber quietly, please.